I'm Jonathan Goldstein, and you're listening to Wiretap on CBC Radio 1 and Sirius Satellite Radio 159. Today's episode, Girls Gone Wild, in which t-shirts are soaked, beer is chugged, and parental guidance is advised. Spring break! Spring break! This is going to be my 20th... 20 spring breaks? That's got to be some kind of record. Yeah. Spring break! Spring break! Oh my god, I got like a million songs. But I mean, it, spring break isn't for many more months. Do you think this doesn't like happen overnight? Like right now I'm like cutting up some t-shirts, put like words on them, like touch this or your hands here. And I got to plan my outfits. And I have different kinds of shoes. I made like this amazing pair of high heel flip-flops that I bedazzled. But Cookie, wouldn't you say that you're a little, I don't know, old for, for spring break at this what point? What did you say? Well, people go on spring break when they're, you know, in high school or college. They go maybe once or twice. Yeah, that's when you start spring break. And it ends in college, say. Why would it end? There's always, like, a new crop. Like, uh, this last year was the first time I, I actually saw, like, people I used to spring break with, their kids. And I'm, like, getting really? drunk with the kids of my friends. I'm like, this is what it's all about. No, I don't think you that's know? what it's about. That must be very awkward for everyone involved. Don't you think? You kidding me? That finally, these little rugrats are buying me drinks. Finally, but you're, it's you're... awesome. When you see some young kid who used to change his diaper and now he's pouring beer over your head, you're like, oh my god, we've come full circle. Do you, do you feel like you have um, much in common with these young people? Absolutely. Do we like beer? Yes. Do we like to party? Yes. In fact, like we exchange ideas. Like, what are some of these ideas? How to drink more. Like, uh, you could pour beer into cereal. You could pour beer over a sandwich. You can pour beer next to your beer. So you're drinking two beers at the same time. I started spring breaking when I was 13. I remember my mom coming into my room and being like, honey, turn around. You got rosebuds right now. But next year, you're going to have cans. And when the cans come in, We'll go to spring break. And we did. And so you went to spring break with your mom? My mom showed me the ropes. There was uh, 27 of us in one hotel room. We slept in the pattern of like a woven basket. And I remember my mom waking me up and being like, don't forget to eat crackers. You got to line your stomach, you know, before you drink. She doesn't go no more, but she's, uh, she always like, you know, calls every day. How'd it go last night? Did you puke? Did you get crazy? Did you grind? I'm like, yeah, ma, I grinded. Uh, so what are the, what are some of the things that you that you're intending to do? First thing I always do when I whenever I move, get there is I um, I have everything moved into my room: the ice machine, Wait. the vending machine. You move the whole ice machine into your room. Number one, I hate getting up for ice. It's just easier if it's in my room. Uh huh. Number two, there's no better way to meet people than having an ice machine in your room. Into your room, any time of the day or night, like. You know, like, I'll be like, do you need any help with that ice? And sometimes I'll, like, break up the ice with one of my knives or whatever. And they're like, no, no, I got it. Who are you anyway? And I'm like, I'm Cookie. I'll see you. I'm going to grind up on you later. I have my version of the Cookie body shot, which is when you ask a guy to take off all his clothes and stand in the bar, and then you pour tequila, then you watch where it trickles down, and wherever it drips off, you have to catch it in your mouth. It's usually in their butt. So you, you, you would do that with a perfect stranger? Well, that is the perfect stranger, you know what I mean? 
You're not concerned about germs. No, because it's alcohol. I mean, they use it like in emergencies. Like if there's like, oh, you know, does anyone have any vodka? And I'm always like, I do. I always have a knife and I always have vodka. So like anytime there's like a restaurant where somebody's like, you know, swallowed like the top of a ballpoint pen and they're like, oh my God, we got to cut it out. I'm like, I gotcha. It being your, your 20th spring break, mm-hmm. it's, I guess it's kind of, um, it's a milestone. Are you, are you planning to mark the occasion? It's going to be really an exciting year. It's going to be a little different. Oh, yeah? But I'm excited. I don't know if I told you this, but I have bunions. Bunions? Bunions. Right. So that was bad. I had to have them taken off. And then what was worse is that I also had to have a varicose vein taken out. Oh. The bottom line is between the varicose vein and the bunions, I got to be off my feet. So I got myself a rascal. I call it the party creeper. One of those like little uh, mini scooters that... that yeah. That you, that you see seniors on in, in, yeah. in, in shopping malls? I'm going to make it look super cute. I'm going to put, like, fringe on it. And on the side, I'm going to have, like, side pouches that I put, like, um, tequila. Cookie, you don't, you, don't, you don't feel like maybe uh, this is nature's way of telling you to pass the torch to the next generation? No, you know what I think? This is nature talking, but this is nature saying, why don't we put you on a rascal? You can hit the bars so much faster. Uh-huh. I'm not going to ever stop. Like, I'm going to keep doing this until I have to have my grandkids are going to take me to the bar, lift me onto the bar, pour tequila down my throat, and they're going to have to hold my butt and shake it for me. And uh, hopefully, God willing, knock on wood, they have good rhythm, and they're able to, like, help me get my grind on. That's how long I'm going to spring break. In 1986, I was 16 and didn't know anything. Didn't know how to shop for underwear, place a person-to-person call, use a bank machine, or light a coal barbecue. Though, in fairness, I still don't know how to do that last one. And I certainly knew nothing about spring break. It was like a vague rumor, something I'd glean in snatches as I'd walk by the popular table in the school cafeteria. I mean, how confusing... It didn't even seem to take place in the spring. March in Montreal meant ski masks and thermal underwear, not Speedos and suntan lotion. I also knew nothing about Florida, which is why when my friend Mark asked if I wanted to spend spring break in Miami Beach visiting his grandparents, I jumped at the chance. Miami was in Florida. Florida was where spring break was, and according to beer commercials and movies with titles like Spring Break, it was where the girls were. And so I packed up my clam diggers, sun visors, a bikini inspector t-shirt, and wondering if it would be enough, two boxes of condoms. Well, if it wasn't, I was sure there'd be pharmacies at the spring break. At the spring break. Because I actually thought that spring break was a place. For a week, all of Florida was spring break. They'd open up the prisons and mental asylums and let everyone run free in bikinis and togas. Even the zoos would be ungated so that the lemurs could copulate on surfboards. And at the spring break pharmacy, there would be copulating galore, virginal teenagers just like me, humping in the aisles.
Shortly after deboarding the plane and being greeted by Mark's aged grandparents, I was to discover that a seniors community in Miami was not where the action was. We were staying at a small hotel near the ocean that catered exclusively to old Jewish people. Rather than teenagers chug-lugging in the lobby, I found retirees drinking lemon tea and reading Yiddish newspapers. Mark's grandparents got us our own room. This way you can be independent, said his grandmother, as she stocked the mini-fridge with small Snickers bars. They're better cold, the old lady said. Otherwise, when they start to melt, have you any idea what a mess you're in for? It gets into your clothes, your hair, the bedsheets. Don't ask. Mark's grandmother was very taken with the staff. Everything I ask, they say, no problem, no problem. Nothing's a problem. But there were problems. So very, very many problems. For one, Mark's grandparents wouldn't let us out of the hotel after sundown, afraid as they were of Cuban banditos out to steal our Canadian traveler's checks. In truth, though, there didn't seem to be anything out there for us anyway. No hooting, cavorting, no rocking or rolling, no lip smacking or cannonball diving. I absolutely forbid it, the old woman said that first night when I raised the idea of my taking a walk. She stood with arms crossed on the front porch of the hotel. It was 5.30 p.m. and we'd just returned from the early bird dinner special at Wolfie Cohen's Rascal House. Don't go filling up on the bread, Mark's grandmother had warned when we first sat down to dine. Wait until you see the spread we're going to get. We were to eat there every night, and it always was a spread, though not the kind I'd been hoping for. I spent the early evenings sitting on the hotel's front porch, reading a paperback about Joseph Mengele that I found in the hotel's lobby. Fun fact about Joseph Mengele? After the war, when he escaped to South America, to be more incognito and fit in, he changed his name to Jose. Jose Mengele. The residents of the hotel, seeing the book I was reading, would come over and tell me their own stories about being in the war, some rolling up their sleeves to show me numbers on their arms. To top things off, after two days there, Mark got a cold, so I hung out by myself at the beach. It was there that I saw a couple of European tourists bathing topless. I had never seen anything like it and couldn't understand how everyone could be so blasé about it. Was it that the other sunbathers were so old they couldn't see? There were breasts, right there, in front of us, live, three-dimensional. It made no sense to me that given their presence, Anyone could look at anything else. The sun, the water, all stupid and worthless. I got my towel as close to the tourist's towel as I could without touching it, propped my chin in my hand, and attended to their nudity with a laser-like focus, storing up the nakedness like a camel does with water for the dry desert of life in Montreal. There was an old Art Deco movie theater that was about a half-hour walk from the hotel, and I started spending my afternoons there. One day on the bill was a screening of a movie that would change my life. The audience was made up of about a dozen old men who stopped in for the air conditioning and the Golden Ager discount. They sat eating home-brought sandwiches off their laps, and slowly, as the movie progressed, one by one they'd get up to leave, 
sometimes waving their hands at the screen as though to say, enough of you. One might have even said, fair. Eventually, I was left seated in there, all alone. The film that was playing that day was David Lynch's Blue Velvet. It was the most messed up, sick, twisted, fascinating, bizarre, sexy, scary film I'd ever seen. I didn't even know if I liked it. I might have even thought it was terrible, but I ended up returning again the next day to watch it once more. I remember the way Dennis Hopper coaxed the main character into a joyride. Hey, you want to go for a ride? No thanks. No thanks? What, what, what does that mean? I don't want to go. Go where? For a ride. A ride! Hell, that's a good idea or how he screamed out as he got into his big black muscle car. <laughs> Seemed so life-affirming. The movie made me feel like there was a different way to live, a different kind of art that could be made, a kind of art that did things that you didn't even know were allowed. It was important to me. I think I knew that my fate was somehow wound up in all that. I wasn't a popular kid, a spring break kid, a kid who could even find his way to spring break. But maybe there was something, perhaps about art, that I got, that got me. For years later, that film was like a secret handshake. When I met someone, it was one of the first questions I'd ask. Did you see Blue Velvet? Did you like it? And if they did, I, for whatever reason, felt like they got me. You enter the world trying to be like everyone else, and you fail and fail and fail, and eventually, you have no choice but to be who you are. From that spring on, more and more, I would grow to feel like being me was okay. In fact, on some days, at the age of 42, I feel like I'm almost there. Hello. Hey. How's it going? Uh, good. Uh, Howard, how, how are you doing? I'm amped up. Yeah, oh yeah? Why, what's going on? Autumn break. Autumn break, baby. Autumn break, woo! I think you're, you're thinking of spring break, maybe. Well, you know, I never had the chance to, to, to spring break. Well, you never went to college is probably why. So why, why should that exclude me? I mean, spring break is a right. I just never was allowed I mean, to it's participate. A, it's a break from something, though. That's right. Right, so you have to have something to break from. Well, I never got that chance. Well, because you... What need... I'm proposing... Yes. ...is autumn break. Autumn break. Autumn break. Uh-huh. It's like a spring break, but for older people... I see. For people in the autumn of their lives... Mm-hmm. I'd say it's a much more mature spring break. Mm-hmm. I got all my, my sexy autumn clothes packed. I got my... Like? I got my windbreaker, and I got, I got, a, I got a lumber jacket, mm-hmm. and I got a toque. I got my boots. I got wool socks. And where are you going? I'm thinking, like, instead of Fort Lauderdale or Cancun or at least mm-hmm. I'm thinking, like, you know, it's autumn break. You want to go where there are leaves and stuff. I'm thinking, like, you know, going to the Laurentians, you know, St. Agath, St. Spur kind of thing. I don't know what they... Woo! Mm-hmm. Autumn break, baby! Autumn break! And what are some of the uh, autumn break activities that you'll be, that you'll be indulging in? Body shots, mm-hmm. wet t-shirt contests, apple picking, you know, rolling around in, in, in leaves. In a wet T-shirt. And don't, don't you, that that sounds like a formula for, for for pneumonia. I mean, it's 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 a little cool. Well, there'll be a big bonfire and you dry your wet T-shirts by the bonfire and. Why why wet your T-shirt in the first place? Well, it's autumn break, baby. Autumn break. 
you know, there's modifications. You know, uh, we're talking, oh, yeah. you know, it's autumn. You know, I mean, what do you, how do you wet your T-shirt in a cold climate, right? You're not right. going to pour a pitcher of beer. No. So that... I'm thinking like a hot, a steaming bowl of, of pea soup. You pour that over the T-shirt, you know? That makes, that makes a lot more sense. And then you feel kind of all warm and toasty while you show your goodies. And, Stinking and everyone, of pea soup. I mean, I'd rather stink a pea soup than stale beer any day. And and how long are you thinking of going away for? I don't know, two weeks? Mm-hmm. Two weeks, two and a half weeks, three weeks, four weeks, five weeks, five and a half weeks maybe, something like that, five and a half weeks. What what are you going to do for five and a half weeks, uh, ha- hanging out in the Laurentians? Pumpkin volleyball. Pumpkin volleyball. You have a nice, good-sized pumpkin that, that bounces well. You know, you spike the pumpkin, you know, you, it, it breaks right over your hand, splits open, there you go, you got pumpkin pie. You're ready to go. So you're, you, what are you calling me up to, to look after your dogs while you're gone? Is that it? I'm inviting you to come down to take this time off, take this two, three, four, five weeks off and come. And I can't take that much time off, Howard. You can. You I can. cannot do it's that. It's autumn break, man. Everybody knows autumn break. Actually, no one knows autumn break because you, ju- you just invented it. I mean, it. you can broadcast live. You can broadcast live. I mean, you always got radio hosts. They're always going down the spring break. But, mm-hmm. you know, I don't think that would be, you know, right for you. You'd probably get some jock punch you square in the face and set your car to get on fire and, you know, but autumn break, uh-huh. come on your speed, man. You make a nice hot cocoa or hot toddy, you know? Who's going to be coming to this? I got a lot of people. I got a lot. Of, first of all, I got some sponsorships. You got sponsorships. Ovaltine, Red Rose Tea, uh, Scrabble. I think you're making this up. No. I've been getting a lot of calls, Jonathan. I've been getting a lot of calls. You've been getting calls? How so? Because I I postered. I did a lot of postering, a lot of promo. You've been postering. I said autumn break, adult entertainment guaranteed with my number, and people are just calling everywhere. Howard, I don't think adult entertainment means what you think it does. What are you talking about? I'm telling them that this is not spring break for children. This is autumn break, adult fun. Adult fun. You know, I, I wanted to kind of show that there'll be some alcohol. I didn't want to be too blatant because I know there's laws. So I just wrote triple X, triple X, like you see on bottles of booze and cartoons. Triple X. You know, call Howard Chakowitz for an adult good time, triple X, roll in the hay, and, you know, I think people will get the idea. I don't think they'll get the idea, all right. While there are those souls who look back and fret over the lost opportunities of youth and go to great lengths to reclaim them when it's far too late, there are those other fortunate souls who are able to look back on opportunities unsquandered, fully savored, back when it counted, when they were kids. Hello, everybody. Can you hear me okay? Awesome. Um, before I start, Yate, Sierra and Alice, Yinshin, Tabahe, Nishle, Nakaidin, Ebushashin, Twahagli, Nidishache, Do, Nakaidin, Edishinale. I'm Navajo, and it is traditional in our culture to begin by alienating the entire audience. So, <laughs> you're welcome. Um, so, I was uh, born and raised in Tucson, Arizona. When I, what up? Um, when I was. Around 11, um, I lived in this apartment complex called Christopher City, which was, uh, it was like a dorm for families. My dad was in college, and it was mostly um, international students who brought their families, so my neighbors were from Korea, the Middle East, um, Japan, all over, and then it was also single moms uh, who couldn't live off campus, couldn't afford to. So get home from school one day, and my mom is like, get ready, you're going out. And I was like, who am I going out with? And she was like, uh, my friend Jeanette just moved into town, wants to take you to a baseball game. And I was like, wait a minute. With, and she was like, You're gonna, she's going to take her daughter Candace and her new boyfriend Ahmed. And I was like, Candace Sims? 
And Candace Sims was like the coolest girl. She had just moved into town and she was just wild. Like she would flip off the teachers when they were writing and you can see, and she wore nail polish and she claimed to do like downstairs stuff with guys and like she cursed. And it was just amazing. I was like, oh my God, this is my chance. Like I'm gonna be best friends with Candace Sims. Like this could happen. I just need to be around her and I had a plan. And so my mom was like, well, the plan was that we're, you're going to go to this game, then you're going to come spend the night at my house, and then tomorrow you're going to go to Shandy Castellari's pool party. And so I was like, this is the dream. Like, when you're 10, that's like an eight ball worth of fun. Like, it doesn't get any better. So I go, and it becomes immediately clear that the motivations <laughs> that we all had were very different. Like, mine was clear. Make Candace my best friend. Um, Jeanette was sort of like constantly like trying to find Mr. Can you pay half the rent? Like she was just an exhausted single mom. She just wanted to get married. And then Ahmed was this guy from Iran, nice enough, but he, the long con was probably like a green card marriage, but the short con was definitely like downstairs stuff with Jeanette, you know? And so, and he could not have hated us more. He was so disinterested in me and Candace, which I don't, totally blame him for because every time he would be like would you like a hot dog I would be like yes whereas Candace would be like you Ahmed I think you have AIDS and like and we'd just be like holy because I had never heard a little girl talk like that but she didn't have a lot of parenting so um so anyway so the mom was just sort of like I could marry a pharmacist so she threw $20 at us and we left and drank a bunch of soda and ate a bunch of hot dogs and enjoyed the game. So we get back into Ahmed's car and uh, we're driving home and I'm like, okay, Tucson tours were a bust, but like we got the sleepover, we got the pool party, like this is gonna be awesome. And um, it becomes clear that like Ahmed doesn't know how to get back to the apartment complex. And so he starts going around and around, but Jeanette, being like the woman doesn't want to emasculate him, so she doesn't give him directions, and then it just is clear that he's lost and he's frustrated. And so from the back, Candace just starts doing this like impression where it's like, I am Ahmed, I eat lentils, I don't know where I'm going. That was her, by the way, that was not me. And um and like now I feel super bad for this poor guy, but when you're 10, that is the funniest shit you've ever heard. Like I could not stop laughing. I laughed so hard and I was trying so badly to stifle it. And I laughed so hard that I relieved 64 ounces of Pepsi all over Ahmed's Tercel. And between the screaming and the impressions and Jeanette, like nobody noticed it was nighttime. And so I'm like, all right, all right, this, is ha this has happened. And I was peeing, it was like minutes. I mean, it was so long that I went on a journey. I went from like shock to like that ecstasy of how good it feels to pee to like shame and then like back to the ecstasy and then like rounded out with some shame. It was just, it was so bad. And so, um, so I'm sitting there and I'm like, okay, hope is not last. Like, I can, I can make this work. And so from the darkness, I'm like, oh no, Ahmed, I just spilled Pepsi on your car seat and my pants. Like I was in some kind of commercial for detergent that worked on clothing and upholstery. And it just was, it was, it was a bad, I didn't have a cup. I had no props to like support my assertion, he immediately called me out. He flipped on the light and he looked back while driving and he was like flipped out. He, Cause he had been like white knuckle driving this whole time. He'd kept it all in. And he was like, you pee in my car, you pee in my car, you dirty American. And I was like, no I didn't, no I didn't. He's like, you are a car peer. In exactly the same accent that Candace had been doing like three minutes ago. 
So I lose my shit again, and I'm laughing uncontrollably. So it's a tough break, guys. So he goes, pulls into Christopher City. I bolt to my mom's house. Obviously, Candace is not spending the night. And next morning, my mom is like, well, you got to go to this pool party. And I'm like, oh, no, I'm a, I'm a car peer. Like, that is what I am. Car peers do not get to go to pool parties. They stay home and die alone. And so... But my mom was like, well, I made plans, so you're going to this party. So I go, and I show up, and I'm just like, this is my life. She's going to tell everybody. She's a popular girl at school. And uh, I get there, and she comes up to me. And I, before I can say I'm sorry, she was like, that was amazing. <laughs> because for her, it was like the most baller move I could do. He freaking was like stopping up my urine for like two hours. Didn't get any play. And thanks to her hatred for Ahmed, I was only a car peer for one night. So, thank you. On Wiretap today, you heard Laura Cookie Craft, Howard Chakowitz, and Sierra Teller Ornelas whose performance was recorded at the Los Angeles-based storytelling series, Public School, a monthly event produced by Natasha Vargas Cooper. For upcoming events, visit publicschoolshow.com. Wiretap is produced by Mira Bertwin-Tonic, Crystal Duhame, and me, Jonathan Goldstein. Tune into Wiretap Saturdays at 3.30 and Thursday evenings at 11.30. You can also hear Wiretap across North America on Sirius Satellite Radio 159. Or subscribe to the podcast at cbc.ca slash wiretap, where you can also download the latest wiretap ringtone. Spring break! Spring break! Autumn break, baby! Autumn break! Woo! Party all year long with every ring of your phone.